Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Uh, one of the things that I really, really love about our church is um, that so many of you um, not only understand, but you really embrace um, the truth that, that your faith is not compartmentalized. It's not relegated to an hour or so, uh, one day of the week, um, but that it, that it infects and, 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 and just permeates through every aspect of your life. And not only that, that you understand that faith is not just some belief system that you privately hold and keep to yourself, but that, that it's life. And it's a life that you want others to discover. It's life that you want others to know, your friends and your family members. In fact, one of the reasons why you're a part of Northgate is because of that. Because we as a church have made a commitment to do everything that we possibly can to make the message of God's grace and, and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ as, as understandable and as clear and as accessible um, and relatable as we possibly can. And it's why many of you have invited your friends and many of you came because of an invitation um, in the past. And, it's, and it's, it's all because we believe that this is not just some private thing, but it's our very lives. And we want everybody we possibly can to get in on this. Now, all that being said, as much as we desire that for our friends, as much as we desire that for our families, as much as we want as many people as possible to come to know the life that God has for them through Jesus Christ, there is still a hindrance that I think all of us have in common. It's the one thing that kind of keeps us from, from sharing. It kind of holds us back when there's an opportunity and we, we just kind of hold back and we're not sure what to say or we, we just kind of back off the whole thing. Anybody want to guess what that one thing is? Anybody? Fear? Did I hear fear? Thank you from the back row. Fear. Yeah. Fear. Fear. It's the one thing I think that keeps us from sharing our faith. That when the opportunity arises, there's, we get this anxiety feeling or, or feel kind of awkward or, or, or we get kind of tongue-tied and we don't know what to say. And, and, and what the fear is, is we're not sure how it's going to work out. We're, we're just not sure. If I say something, what if they ask me a question I can't answer? Or, or what if they bring up a subject that I don't know anything about? Or, or what, you know, and, and so... Not knowing what the outcome is, we kind of hesitate to speak up. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when Juan Uribe gets up to the plate, and you don't know if he's going to swing at that pitch in the dirt and be the last out of the game, or if he's going to get the game-winning home run. Somebody gave me a dare to squeeze that into the sermon somehow today, so there it is. That's my 10 bucks. No. Um, there is that fear of the outcome. At the moment, you know, you just, you're, you're, you don't know what's going to happen. If I take this step, what's going to happen? What I'd like to do today and for the next couple of weeks is, is to maybe talk to you a little bit about that and maybe hopefully alleviate some of those fears and anxieties that you have about sharing your faith and maybe encourage you if you've been doing it and you feel kind of discouraged about it or, or maybe have quit doing it because you feel like you're, nobody's listening to you or, or, or just, you know, it's not making any headway, to encourage you to, to not stop sharing and, and maybe to even encourage you a little bit more to help you see that you're probably doing a better job at it than you think you are. And we're going to look at a passage in the book of Acts, chapter 17, um, 
If you're not familiar with the Bible at all, the book of Acts gets its name from the Acts of the Apostles. Um, The apostles were the followers of Jesus. They were his disciples while he was here on earth. And after he died on the cross and was buried and resurrected, before he ascended back into heaven, he said to his followers, now you go, you go and you will be my witnesses to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so these followers of Jesus, his disciples became the apostles. I don't know where they changed the name. Don't ask me. Doesn't really matter. They became the apostles, and they continued the message of Jesus Christ after he had risen and gone back into heaven. And so the book of Acts is the acts, the accounts of the actions and behaviors and things that they did. And it's really the account of the birth of the Christian church. And so we pick up the story a little bit later um, in Acts chapter 17, one of the apostles by the name of Paul, who has been going out and, and visiting other countries and bringing this message of God's grace all wherever he could. We find him this morning um, in the city of Athens. And so he's arrived in the city of Athens. He's gotten there ahead of his compatriots. He's there by himself. So he takes a tour through the city. And he just wants to kind of scope out because he's, he's Jewish. And this is a very Gentile uh, country, a very Gentile city. And so it's a completely different culture than he is used to at all. So he walks through the city, and as he walks through the city, he realizes there are statues and idols and altars and shrines all over the city to like every god in the whole Greek pantheon. You know, there's, there's, there's an idol to Zeus and an idol to Ares and an idol to Diana and all these, and all throughout the city. In fact, there was an idol and a shrine that was erected to kind of like if we forgot anybody. It was the shrine to the unknown God. You know, it's just kind of like we're covering all the bases here, making sure, okay? So Paul walks through the city and he sees all of this and and he's really bothered by it. And what he does is he goes into um, what is called the marketplace, the uh, Agora, which was more than just, you know, Rayleigh's, okay? It was was a gathering place of the community. It was like the the town center, the, 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 the square in the middle of the city. And that's where people would gather, not only to sell, sell their wares, but they would talk about philosophy and theology and all of these kinds of things. And that's where Paul went. And when he got there, um, he started talking about the resurrection, <clears throat> about Jesus and his death on the cross and how he was paid the price for our sin. He was raised by God, by the power of God, so that we could have a new life. And this was something none of these people had ever heard before. They had no concept of what he was talking about, and they were just kind of blown away by it. So what they did was they brought him to the Areopagus. The Areopagus is a fancy name for Mars Hill. And it was, a, it was a meeting center, and that's where the philosophers and the theologians at the time, that's the council would meet there. And they would kind of discuss these things and, and make sure no heresy was being preached and taught. And so they brought him up on Mars Hill before the Areopagus, and this is where we pick up the story, beginning in verse 22 that Paul was called before them. And this is what he said. He stood up at the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything that is in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands because he himself gives life to, gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the times set for them in the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps 
reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man that he has appointed, and he has given proof to all of this, to all men, by raising him from the dead. And when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. And a few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, and also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. Now, talk about a tough crowd, okay? These are people who have no understanding at all of Scripture. They have no understanding of Yahweh, God. Their, their culture is so completely different. And these are learned men. These are like, these are like, these are the old guys, like, you know, like Plato and Aristotle, those kind of guys. The guys that sat around in their bathrobes in the sandbox and discussed theology, okay? These were heavy hitters. And Paul stands up before them. But look at, we're going to look this morning at, at the things that he said and how he approached this because he didn't get into a theological debate with them. He didn't get into a philosophical debate. And you may not be a Paul, you may not be a theologian, you may not know all the ins and outs of Scripture, you may not know the answers to all the hard questions, but there are some principles here and an approach that I think every one of us can take when it comes to sharing your faith. And that's what I want to go through this morning. We'll take a look at some insights that might be able to help you sharing faith with your friends. And the first one is just real, real simple. It's just cultivate connections. Cultivate relationships. Build bridges. Do you know that the number one perception, people who are outside the church, people who are not Christians, their number one perception of the church and of Christianity is negative? They, they look at Christianity, and, and no wonder, because what they see, what they see are crazy people. <laughs> what they see are people picketing funerals and yelling. What they see are people holding up signs that says, God hates, and then fill in the blank with whoever you want to hate today. They see crazy guys down in Texas who are saying, I'm going to burn the Koran, and, you know, and it, it's just stupid things like that. And that's their picture of Christianity. Now, don't get me wrong. I think there are a lot of things wrong with this world. There are a lot of things in our culture that trouble me. There are a lot, there's a decline in the values and the ethics and the morality of our country that really bothers me. It bothers me deeply, but the answer is not to picket and protest and yell and scream and rant and rave and judge and condemn. See, Paul was troubled. Says Paul was waiting for the Manhattans, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. He walked through that city and it bothered him. He looked at what was going on there and he looked at all the idol worship and everything that was going on and it bothered him. It's not that it didn't bother him, but he didn't sneak in the dead of night and spray graffiti all over the idols, okay? He didn't come down with a baseball bat and knock them down and tear down the shrines and all those things. What he did instead was, it says, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews, and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. 
He went where people were. And instead of a condemning, judgmental message, screaming and hollering at the top of his lungs, he went and he reasoned. He literally, the word is dialogued. He had conversations with people. He met them where they were. He got out of his own comfort zone and went where people were. The marketplace, the agora, that was a gathering place. It's where people hung out. They didn't have TVs and radios. They didn't, you know, they, they got together and they gathered together in this marketplace area. And it was a place where people talked and they, they communicated and they talked about life and they talked about theology and philosophy. This is where people hung out. So that's where he went. And one of the best things you can do is just hang out with people where they are, not where you want them to be. See, I believe this. I really do believe this. I don't think people reject Christianity near as much as they reject a caricature of Christianity. You know what a caricature is. You know, you go to Santa Cruz Boardwalk or Pier 39 or the, you know, state fair, county fair or something, and there's these street artists and they do these, these pictures, you know, with, you know, with an elongated head, you know, huge head, you know, driving a little car or something, put a little cartoon thing to it. It doesn't look anything like you, but you pay them the 10 bucks anyway, okay? That's a caricature. And I think what most people reject, it's not Christianity. They reject the caricature of Christianity, And the only way to erase the caricature is to show the real thing. And the only way you show the real thing is by engaging in relationships, making connections, building bridges. Honestly, sometimes I think my main goal as a Christian and as a pastor is to just not be weird. (laughs) Honestly. Honestly, that's like my number one goal in life when they find out that I'm a pastor, that I'm a Christian, to try to be as normal as I possibly can, which is not always easy for me, okay? I gotta admit. But I just want people to see, I'm a real person. We're real people. We don't have it all together. We got our flaws, we got our failures, we got our idiosyncrasies, we got our quirks, yeah. But we're just like everybody else. And I think that's what people need to see. And the only way they do that is if we get out and get involved and be where people are. From the beginning of this church, we've always encouraged people, get involved in your community. Whether it's Benicia, Vallejo, Green Valley, Martinez, wherever it is you live, be involved in your community. Coach a little league team. You know, referee a soccer game. Get involved in your PTA. Whatever it is, be involved. Be where people are so they can get to know you as a person. It's one of the big reasons why we are doing this trunk or treat next Sunday night. It is not because I enjoy dressing up. Believe me, I don't. I hate Halloween. I hate dressing up. My wife loves it. She always comes up with the costumes and she goes, this is what we're going to be. And I go, oh, do we have to? I have to wear that? Oh. Okay? It's not because I necessarily enjoy this, but it's an opportunity to be out in our community and to provide a safe place where kids can come and get some candy and, 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 and just hang out with us and get to know people. Now, I know, I know there are some Christians who say, well, we don't celebrate Halloween. It's out the devil. It's satanic. We are not celebrating Satan, okay? That's not what we're doing. We are being in the community where people are relating to... Paul related 
to an altar, to an un, a pagan altar, to an unknown God for crying out loud. We can handle Halloween, can't we? Can't we? You get out where people are, not where you want them to be, but where they are, and engage and build relationships. So what Paul did was he went where people were. And it says in verse 21 that all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there, they spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. So what did he do? He went where they hung out and he told them the latest idea. He went where they were and he built bridges. And it wasn't his culture, wasn't his comfort zone, but he built those relationships. Just cultivating connections, building relationships is huge, huge, huge. Because connections lead to relationships and relationships lead to influence. And influence opens up opportunities. And if we don't build the bridges, if we don't cultivate those connections, we're not going to get the opportunities. So cultivate those connections. And then another one is just affirm people where they are in their search for God. Affirm them in their search. Because, and we've said this a lot around here, faith is a journey. It is not a black and white, one day I'm not, the next day I am. It's a journey. It's a process. It, it is, there are a series of steps along the way where people come to faith and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And, and think about that. That's, think of your own experience. When we do baptisms here, we have people tell their stories, and over and over and over again, the story talks about the number of people that came into my life. And, and I, you know, I, 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 I wasn't interested at all in church, but this girl that was really, really cute and I really liked in high school, she invited me to a youth activity. So I went and I was not interested at all in church, but I was interested in her. So that's why I went. And when I went there, I found it was a group of kids that they took seriously the Bible. I mean, they really believed that this meant something for their life, even as a teenager. And so I hung out a little bit more and I learned a little bit more. And then I walked away from it and I went away to college. But while I was in college, it was this other guy and friend of mine, a roommate, and he invited me and and if you think about your own story, it was probably a series of connections with different people that came in and out of your life at different points. And each one of them did one more thing to bring you a little bit closer to take that next step. And we need to recognize that. We need to recognize that. That we build the relationships to come into people's lives so that we have the opportunities when they arise to be able to share what God has done for us. It's really that simple. And our biggest goal, and I think one of our biggest goals ought to be to just identify where people are at in that journey and help them see where they are and maybe what the next step might be. Look for what God is already doing in their lives. And how do you do that? You listen to them. You build the relationships and you watch and you look for the clues and you listen to the hurts and you, you engage in life with people. Because people have all kinds of barriers that keep them from faith. And some of them are huge brick walls that you got to kind of take apart brick by brick because maybe it's something in their past. 
or maybe it's just a hurdle you got to kind of help them climb over, or, or maybe a, a, a pitfall that, that, that you got to bridge a gap for them. But people have all kinds of objections and all kinds of hindrances that keep them. And so if you can just take them where they are and help them find the next step that helps them move a little bit closer to taking that step for themselves, then you've been a part of that process. God used you at that moment. And so the prayer just simply becomes, Lord, help me to recognize where my friends are at and then help me to help them move forward. And that's what Paul does. Look at where he starts with them. He affirms them. He doesn't get up and condemn them. He affirms them. He says, men of Athens, I see, that I, I, I see in every way you are very religious. For as I walked and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. He started where they were at. He said, you are very religious people. I can tell something about you. In this city, you take faith seriously. And your faith is different than mine. But let me tell you what I've learned. See, he affirmed them where they were at. He didn't have to... He didn't have to debate all of their arguments. He didn't have to tell them all the points in which they were wrong. All he had to do was say, listen, I can see you are looking for something. And you as a culture, you as a city, you take this seriously. Can I tell you? Can I tell you what it is that you're missing? The thing that you're looking for? And that's where he started. In fact, he quotes one of their own poets because they have no knowledge of scriptures. They have no, 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 no prophets, no law, no nothing. They have no what knowledge whatsoever of Scripture. So to, create, to, to quote from Scripture for them would be meaningless. So what he does is, he says, as one of your own poets have said, we are all his offspring. And from that moment, he said, because we are his offspring, we shouldn't believe that he's an idol that can be created by a hand. He's bigger than that. And he began to talk to them. And what he did was he just helped them recognize their own search because all of that seeking was simply symptoms of a deeper longing. And he says, God has been working in you all along, though you didn't even know it. God has been working. In fact, he works in everybody's life. He himself gives life to all men, life and breath and everything else. He determines the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. And God did this. God did this for one reason, so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us. Now, let me ask you, who could be further from faith in Christ than an idol-worshipping pagan from a culture completely devoid of any biblical knowledge? Who could be further? And yet Paul says, you're not as far away as you think because God has come to you. And he used that as a basis to share. He affirmed them where they were at. Instead of correcting all of their mistakes, he took them where they were at and he just affirmed them and said, you're on a search. Let me tell you where the search leads. And then the last thing, and this is really important, keep it personal. Keep it personal. What I mean by that is Christianity is at heart relational. It's about a person. It all centers on the person of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. It's not a theology. It's not a philosophy. 
It's not a morality. It's not a belief system. It is not a code of conduct. It is not a set of ethics and values. It's a relationship. And Paul comes and he speaks to this group of people. In fact, we're told in verse 18, the group of people he's speaking to is a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. And they began to dispute with him. They began to dialogue with him. They began to talk with him. And he, what he told them about, he didn't, he didn't argue philosophy with them. What he did was he spoke about Jesus and the resurrection. These were heavy hitters, okay? These were guys who knew philosophy. They knew theology. And then we had the full stream. We had the Epicureans. The Epicureans, basically their belief was life is what you make out of it. And make the best life you possibly can. God, the gods, they are irrelevant. They have lost touch. They've got nothing to do with your life. Just make life happy and good. That sound familiar at all? <laughs> and then on the other end of the spectrum are these Stoics. Stoics, basically, life is tough. Suck it up. You know, that was it. <laughs> that was their belief. Life is fated by the gods. You have no choice. You have no point, point in it. Just, you know, stop your whining and complaining. Get over your emotions and just deal with it. That was basically their philosophy of life. It was like if they were on Star Trek, okay, the Epicureans would be Captain Kirk, Okay, and the Stoics would be Mr. Spock. Okay, that, that's how widely separated they were. Two completely, but he didn't get involved in a philosophical debate with them because that was pointless. That would just stir up all the arguments. What he did was he talked about Jesus and the resurrection because what he wanted them to learn was not a philosophy, not a theology, not a set of system of beliefs, but a life. He said, for in him we live and move and have our being. You don't have to get involved in a debate. In fact, it's probably best if you don't. And you don't have to have all the answers. You don't even need to know what all the questions are. Because I think we too often have made the message so complicated and so complex, and it's really very, very simple. Very, very simple. Jesus put it in one sentence. Maybe the most famous sentence in all of the Bible. John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He said, it is this simple. God loved, so God gave. Because that's what love does. God loved. God gave so that I believe in and I have life. And that really is the simplicity of it all. In fact, you could say that with me this morning. You could learn this very, very simply. God loved. God gave. I believe and I've received. It's that simple. God loved the world. God doesn't hate the world. God doesn't hate a particular category of humanity. God loves. And he loved so that he gave his most precious one and only son. So that anyone who believes in can receive life. Now, that believe in, that's really important, so I want to just take a moment to just touch on that for a moment because there's a big difference between believing that 
and believing in. Let me illustrate it for you this way. I believe that this stool can hold me up. I believe that it is well made. I believe that the materials that are used are good materials. I believe that it's been put together correctly. I believe that this stool will hold me up. Now I believe in the stool. See, that's really what faith is all about. It's a transfer of my trust. It's taking the weight off of my own shoulders and my own abilities. And it's not just believing that God loved the world. It's not just believing that he gave his only son. I believe in his son. I believe in his love. And I put my weight down on that. And it is that simple. It is that simple. Say it with me one more time. God loved. God gave. I believe in. I receive. That's the message. And if you can build relationships and listen carefully to people's hearts And when you get the chance, just simply say, God loved, God gave. You can believe in him, and you can receive life. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship, located in Benicia, California.